0: Tick tock. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we all check sounds? It's really? too late now.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. The new year. I got my wheat socks, Jordan. Na, 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 na. Na, <laughs> They're pretty cool. Na, 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 na. Jordan's not going to like it. Ah. <sighs> Happy January
1: 1 and all. January 1? Yeah, January 1. Like the first January ever? 2020 is going to be a good year. I was told not to abbreviate 2020. That is correct. If you just put 20 down, people are saying do not do that because someone else will come along and put a different number after the 20, like 2018. I don't know why would they do that, but...
0: That's interesting. I guess, um... Oh.
1: So I, I have know. not. I have not been abbreviating 2020. I don't even know when I would write it to abbreviate it. Besides, if you always put 2020 down, you always you know you have perfect hindsight.
2: Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was good, Bob. He stopped Thank in with it. I think that, wow, that was good. I, that. I didn't you. even see it coming. <laughs> man, oh man. I'm looking at green grass out the window of the studio. I'm not liking that right now because we're in January and I should be wearing my winter beanie hat that Bob just got me for Christmas and thinking about going in skiing tomorrow. But that's not my thought pattern, unfortunately. But they we have, do have snow. Yeah. Well, there's snow at ski mountains. Yes. Everybody should know. Go to Brian Lane ski videos on YouTube. Oh, how about this? Bob. Really cool. A little plug, a little self plug. I try not to do this too much, but uh, I, I have a YouTube channel that makes trail maps come to life. This month, I quadrupled my views. Oh, congratulations. I have no clue how. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you can go through all the analytics on your page, blah, blah, blah. So, by the way, everybody, please subscribe because I need a 1,000 subscribers. Then I can get some money off this page. <laughs> but um, I had over 4,000 views this month. All um, right. And 95% of them were from non-subscribers, which means either YouTube or there's some other kind of algorithm is putting my videos out there now for people to actually like want to pick up on. Gore is my biggest playlist. I think I have 22 videos from there. And that's the, that's the most, um, so there's my, there's my selfless plug, yeah. They're not,
1: Go ahead. You, you got to do it. I mean, get yourself out there.
0: Well, yeah, but plus they're really educational folks. They're not, you're, you're not watching me jump off stuff or people do stupid things. It's really just, you're going to see the trail top to bottom and you're going to learn about the map and, and make it come to life for you. So if you guys think you can't go to a big mountain, any family can go to Gore. Check out my videos. You can check it out. There's green circles. Your kids the, here at Bristol, they'll get on a trail, maybe a couple minutes, blah, blah, blah. They go to Brist, They can go to Gore on a same pitch trail that lasts two miles, and you guys feel like you're lost in the wilderness while you're doing it. So, so go to Brian Linsky videos. Um, so there's my shameless plug. But now I'm very excited because I don't I'm not going to talk much today because I have a woman in the studio <laughs> whose brother lived across the street from me from 18 years, and the poor kid is actually allergic to marijuana pollen like he can't touch mm-hmm. it put it next to his eyes his mouth it gets all red my next door neighbor kurt um compton um and his wife kara live across the street their daughter is my son's best friend they like are inseparable like have been since they're they, they walk to school together every day of their life pretty much um and she's the sweetest girl ever she just had a trip to australia so her aunt is in the room with me um and we met, I think, periphery maybe once or twice at family parties across the street because I would go to a lot of the kids' birthday parties, and her husband is here as well. Um, and they're they're the traveling fools. These guys are everywhere because she is busy in the industry that is taking off, this cannabis industry. So I introduce you, and I hope to say the name correctly, Karen Tobin. Is that, that correct? That is correct. Holy smokes. I always get nervous about that the first is time. Is it
2: good? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Welcome to the studio. It's nice. Oh man,
2: it's nice.
0: So uh, we just met recently. We've had good discussions about the industry. And um, tell tell people a little bit about uh, this awesome software program. Like what, what what really made it so? By the way, Bob, let a little caveats for her because I gotta lead her in a couple directions. She's helped write policy in state for cannabis wow. for states. She's given. Spoken to large groups, I'm sure, down in D.C., I believe, all the way up to different state levels. You have someone in front of you who wrote, wrote a software. I, I, I can't give her enough kudos already because I'm so, I was so impressed when I heard her list the other day. Thank so let me, let me let you speak. I apologize. But there, there's your there's your intro.
2: Thank you. That was a nice intro. So yes, it's funny that my husband's here and he's looking at me. So I jumped into <laughs> the space about uh, about five years ago. I had a really good job. Did really well, had a nice profession, everything was great. And then I decided I was bored. And I looked at this industry, and there was some really good opportunity there. So my background's in legal, regulatory compliance, financial services, all that fun, boring stuff, right? Um, And I did that in the real estate market. So I did it through the, the crash of the housing market. And in that, I had an opportunity to write some software It was able to facilitate the laws that were a result of that crash. And when cannabis started to come online, I saw the same thing. State-specific rules, state-specific guidelines. And I wrote some software to kind of unify all of those differences between the states. It put me on the ground about five years ago. Gary was uh, not excited about it at all. Because like I said, things were good. But this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for this industry, for people in this industry, and to bring this plant to people and make it accessible. So there's good in it, um, so that's what allowed me to do it. So yeah, I've been on the ground for about five years, it feels like 30, I've crossed over to hemp as well, worked in 32 different states, three different countries. That's the background. What do you think, Bob?
1: Yeah, okay, She's she's got me beating the traveling department. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, let's talk about travel first, because me and Bob love talking about travel. And no, that's such a big piece of life. Like, it's not just about work; it's about the experiences you have during your travel.
2: Oh yeah. So tell for me sure.
0: about some of your uh, so, some of your cool uh, like experiences. The or first people you dispensary
2: met. I ever went into. Oh okay. yeah,
0: tell me about that. That's a good. Colorado. story. Okay, Colorado. How old were you? Like, how far along?
2: Well, I don't know. It was about. It was. It was shortly after they legalized. It was shortly after they legalized. I decided to go out to, to Colorado and check it out. Right. And it was unbelievable. Walked into my first dispensary, was so overwhelmed by the fact that I could just buy this. I couldn't even make the purchase. I just gave my friend that I was with my card. And I was like, you do it. You pick it out. I don't know what's going on here because it was such a special moment for me. Um, and I think for a lot of people, and it was magical. So that was beautiful trip to Colorado, got to see some beautiful things there, you know, mountains, all that fun stuff. And then have traveled subsequently on a regular basis, which is hard. I'm a mom. I'm a soccer mom, right? So that's been a unique position as well, not just being away from the children, but being in an industry and doing it five years ago, which was really early. This is still really early. But coming out five years ago and jumping into it, that was difficult as well because we had to manage that in our hometown and in the state of New York, which is still illegal, right? We're hoping that's going to change for 2020, but that's a different okay, conversation. What, <laughs> so so
0: real quick interjection, because uh, I like putting current events. State of the state, Governor Cuomo had this week. Bob, are, were you politically in tune? Did you even care, or listen, um, hear anything about it?
1: Well, there's been things going on in my life that I have not been able to really watch the news i can't be forthcoming in exactly what's going on but i will i know a little mystery going on Holy smokes bob usually doesn't do things like that i'm intrigued i love
0: it i
2: wasn't prepared for a mystery yeah Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) so i'm excited to hear that and now you got me intrigued notation bob is being coy so so he had the state of the state this week it was a dud i think across the state it wasn't really um taken too well by people across the state just sounded like one of those Blah, 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 type, type, rah, rah. But he did mention that he intends to have cannabis. And then there was a follow up story about that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that says he, he definitely is going to do that and kind of spelled out a measure. And one of the things I actually liked is he's going to create a research institute um, to be able to study the cannabis plant. And he wants it to be like a, a worldwide center. Like he wants it to be where, where everybody comes. So maybe it can be like Israel, where all the studies have been done for years and years. He actually is stating that he wants to do it and he wants to do it through the SUNY system. Um, I think it's smart. I think it's great. I think it, it, and it's beneficial to companies, especially close in New York state, because there's going to have to be, uh, you know, tie in with private sector really for this to work, I I believe, um, as far as product making, everything else. Um, So I'm really excited. I think it's going to be great. Um, What do you think
2: and and how do you think it may differentiate New York from other states? I think we're behind the eight ball right now. I think that... I went to the regulated marijuana listening sessions that state held, which was, I think, over a year ago, and said we were behind the eight ball then, and we still are. The innovation in other states across the country and the world, we we every day we lose, we like lose a month, right? And we have some talented people in Western New York from agricultural to man- manufacturing to, you know, opportunities for research, like he said, which I agree with. So I think it's time, um, not just from a business standpoint and taxes and all of that, but accessibility. I mean, I say it's illegal in New York. It's legal medically, but the product is terrible. It's terrible, and in the, my opinion.
0: And those companies are struggling <laughs> yeah, because of it.
2: Absolutely, they are. Um, they're holding out for a, more, a recreational play. That's why a lot of those companies are here right now, you know. People that go there to get accessibility to medical marijuana for the first time are going to be disappointed, and it's unfortunate. Um, I we've vetted the products myself just to check it out, and it, it it you know it's now where it needs to be. So there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen in the state still.
0: I, I it's nice. What do you think about the research piece? How do you think that might put us ahead, and why do you think he's angling with with that? Because you didn't, we don't really see that out west, right? We, is it because uh, schedule one, or what, what do you think maybe why that didn't happen out west, or this pet, this thought?
2: Well, it's funny. So out west versus the east, when it comes to the cannabis and hemp industry, in my opinion, it's two different worlds, two different countries, completely different. The East is learning from the West's mistakes. I see it in the laws, and I see it in the facilities that I have the opportunity to look at um, throughout the country. The West and the East are completely different. But in all fairness to the West, they they are fighting two things that we're not. One, they've gone through the process. They ripped the Band-Aid, right? We still haven't. And second, from a THC standpoint, they're fighting the largest legacy market in the world. And that legacy market's good at what they do. They make really good product. Some amazing things that happen out West. Um, but, you know, it's, it all comes down to, there's a couple different layers. We know this. You said federal legalization, Schedule 1, the research piece for Cuomo. Why does he pull that? It's different. It's disruptive. And it brings a different connotation to the plant and the product. It makes it sound more acceptable to certain people and companies. It, he's packaging it different, but it's also a piece of this industry that's needed. We find new CBD molecules all the time. They just found THCP and CBDP. Um, they found them, I think, last week. There's a, really good, a couple good articles out there. I would look it up. THCP is 30 times more psychoactive than Delta 9 very interesting so the the scientist or the the innovation and the responsible application of applied sciences is a moving goalpost in this industry and it'll continue to be for the next 10 years and it's exciting stuff right so I think that the research part of it is a good play and I think it will help New York make up some of the ground that they've lost by not by not pushing this forward yet
0: also this week I was at a conference in Morrisville, which I thought was phenomenal, was put on by Jennifer Gilchrist Jenkins, the professor there, and they've been working with the industrial side and now dabbling into the CBD side. I'm really impressed. Morrisville is my alma mater, as, as many people know, and to spend time at my alma mater was really um, ironic, um, emotional. It, it was... Weird that I, I, the room that I wrote for the Morrisville Chimes um, was the room where one, two of the breakout sessions were, where I sat in and talked to um, some some really players in the industry, and and it was nice and refreshing uh, that I didn't see the everybody wanted to work together. It was mostly growers. There was only a handful of processors. Um, But it didn't. And growers obviously are frustrated now because there's a lot of hemp that was growing in New York State. Um, But there was some good uh, ag and markets was there. They had two people representing. Um, They regularly jumped into the conversation to answer any questions. It wasn't one of those things where they're sitting on the side like like they gave a presentation. Excuse me. And then they also were continuing with it. Um, And then there was a small business advocate um, from the federal government there. There was a good diverse mix. It was uh, a reporter from USA Today, and everybody just sat at these roundtable discussions, three breakout sessions. And I I was really refreshed to see that. And Did you ever see that out west early on in any capacity?
2: I would say not early on um, because nobody knew what they were doing, and they still don't. Um, But they're learning. And this is a good example of what I was talking about earlier, the the East learning from the West, right? The agencies are more apt because they can't resist it. They know what's going to happen, you know, like ag and markets wanting to participate. I mean, up to six months, around six months ago, I had to work with uh, the Port Authority in California still, because they quarantined 25,000 pounds of hemp. We see this happening still in the news all the time, right? In the morning, they're like, huge drug bust. 3 p.m. They're like, just kidding. It was hemp. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of education that still has to take place, but they need to be part of it. And we need to be part of it with them. It's a partnership that needs to take place. And uh, Governor Newsom in California actually just came out, I believe it was yesterday, as part of his address. And is uh, the way it was managed out there, there was three individual branches that managed the cannabis supply chain. Uh, there was You know, one arm handled retailers, one arm handled uh, agricultural and cultivation, and then, then another arm handled manufacturing. They're going to now take that and put that all under one cannabis bureau. They learned from their mistakes. They segmented the authorities and regulations too much, and it was too hard to manage. And it still is, and we can see that. So they're still making changes, you know, on a daily basis. We all are. Um, that gets very difficult to manage from a business perspective, especially if you're operating, you know, in multiple States, which a lot of companies are, and that's because they're preparing for federal legalization, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, and it's an interesting one to have that I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but the, the, what well, I mean, they just, uh, <clears throat> just to notate for the, anybody who didn't see it. They finally federally pulled a bill
0: out of a committee, um, and, and we, you can speak to that. I'm sure you're way more educated on that than well, there, I am, but there's
2: it, a few, which one there's a,
0: f- oh, there's a few floating around out there What uh, the state's bill. No, no, the federally, the federal one that just finally came out. Of, and I think it's at, uh, I think it's in the Senate or, or oh, the
2: banking bill. Uh, you-
0: no, no, I'm talking about the actual one that talked about THC, where they're talking about, uh, potential, uh basically nationwide expunging people's criminal records, decriminalization.
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a, well, okay. The lightweight one. Yeah, know, there you know. are, yeah, there's sorry, a few the of problem. those out there. No, it's okay, me either. There's two major ones out there. One is called the state's bill and one is the uh, safe banking act. And then there are a few other ancillary bills out there, which I guess we can jump into that a little bit in regards to federal legalization. Um, everyone has always kind of been expecting a flip of a switch today it's illegal and tomorrow it's going to be legal. You know, thats I don't think that's how we're gonna see federal legalization. I think it's going to be throughout a process of smaller bills. Once let's say the Safe Banking Act passes and everyone has access um, to financial institutions because I can tell you they don't right now and that's another un- unbelievable hurdle these companies and organizations have to go through on a daily basis but I think what we will see is the passing of individual bills that will finally give a sense of federal legalization. I don't think that we'll see an actual bill. I think it'll be through bits and pieces, and that's what will happen.
0: How much time did you spend around D.C.? You mentioned once that I mean, in what capacity, and how? What drew you there? How you know? Sure. You know.
2: So when I jumped in early, I jumped in and quickly, thankfully, became part of a, a organization called NCIA. It's a National Cannabis Industry Association. They've been around the longest. Um, in it, to my knowledge, there's a few other smaller ones out there. But because of that, because we didn't know what we were doing, right? You go to places like MJ BizCon now, which I've been going for quite a few years. I got a lot of badges from there in more, more ways than one. But um, you go there. It's kind of a rite of passage into the industry, and, and you, need, you just need to go. If you haven't been and you're in the industry, I highly suggest that you go. Um, there's a lot of magic that happens there. But I'll tell you, you know, about six years ago, it was about 3,500 people sitting around in a room looking at each other going, how do we make this legal? And this year, I think there was about 50,000 people there, 55,000 people. it was
0: overwhelming. It is. Yeah. There was people in the industry here that went there and it was like, they said half of the day, they were just overwhelmed. It was like.
2: It is. It's, but to see that progression over the last six years is amazing. And it means that people that are in this industry, for the most part, there are some out there that aren't, but for the most part are truly passionate about this industry or because you, or you wouldn't go into it because it's not easy it's not easy at all it's not a money-making industry yet not yet people forget that all the predictions that we hear which I think there's validity to these predictions in some senses um, but it's usually a 2023 2025 you know it's not today and it's not tomorrow and a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money too um, so you know if anyone is looking to get into the industry you got to be involved with your regulators you got to be involved with your competitors because it truly takes a village in this industry and you really have to work together. There is enough to go around and there's money to be made out there, 100%. And there's great people out there. It's a lot of fun too. It's hard, it's a lot of fun. just takes a lot of money, resources, and luck to
0: build a large scale facility to to build uh, product lines that can go to large retailers, that kind of thing in this industry. Mm-hmm. This industry, it, it's there's a lot of small, like in New York for instance, uh, what I've seen, especially going to Morrisville, there's a lot of people with small extraction. You know, they can extract 50 pounds, 100 pounds a day. Um, you know, and then there's a tier that can probably do 500 pounds a day. And then there's a tier that can do maybe 1,000 to 5,000 pounds a day. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, but you go out west and you got these big facilities that have been built. Bucky Bakes had mentioned one where they can do 10,000 pounds a day. Um, you know, there's always pinch points at, at the point where you have to do this short path and all that, but mm. um, you know, hopefully that equipment, they also have enough to produce and they're not, not doing a bunch of oil. But in New York, there's a lot more small, small, and it's because nobody has the money from the banks to be able to ramp up bigger to what you need to build the explosion-proof rooms that you need if you're doing ethanol or for the CO2 equipment, right? Yeah, Right, is that the challenge?
2: That is. I think that's part of the challenge. I think they can't get, you know, proper lending like a normal business would be able to. But I also don't think that there are certain investors in larger financial institutions and Wall Street. I mean, we're in New York, right? That until that there's more of these individualized bills that push, not that full federal legalization, that they will pony up and put some more money in. Um out west I agree it's large. There's a lot of large extraction facilities. So I do uh compliance work like we've talked about. I'm doing work at a facility right now that can extract over 20,000 pounds a day. It's a lot. It's a lot.
0: That's amazing. I would love to see a facility like that. It's oh, beautiful. Man. I can imagine
2: it's a design build. It's a, it's a gorgeous facility. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's way tucked away out in the desert of, uh, California, but there's a few of those out there. Um, who do
0: you work for? Can you, I mean, can you say it loud? I mean, you don't have to, if you you don't have to, I'm not pushing.
2: Well, I work for a (laughs) lot. I work for the people. (laughs) I like that. Um, yeah, Gary's, uh, Gary's making faces at me over here. I like that. It's yeah,
0: good stuff. So, Uh, so anyways, um, you, you're employed by a company that can do extraction all the way to down. Like, explain the company. You don't have to name name. But oh, no. There's just a
2: large-scale, uh, vertically integrated um, extraction facility. They do hemp, but they also have a THC arm of their business as well. So, they're in both sides of the market. Um, it's, now, are they GMP certified out there? How, yeah. How's this role? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. GMP certification. So. All of this is is moving in ISO and the variations of ISO certifications, but standardization in this industry in general is something that is also a moving goalpost, and that's where that research will come into play. Once we have the appropriate data um, and the right eyes on it, I think we'll be able to put the right standards in place because that's a whole nother piece of the puzzle as well. But yeah, this, this company does it all. Um, I enjoy rolling my sleeves up and getting involved in the industry, but it's a commitment. It's a huge responsibility. Um, This industry requires 16 hours a day, usually seven days a week. You don't really get to take a break if you want to do it and make it to 2023. Because between here and there, there's going to be a reckoning. There will be. Um, so that's why it's going to be important for people to have strategic partnerships now, like the list you gave earlier about the things that they need to do. And I think that's the other reason that New York is playing it a little bit safer as well with a little bit smaller um, in regards to their facilities and things like that. But this is all new for the East Coast. It's not really new for the West Coast. You know, when it, it's kind of the joke when you say to people, how long have you been in the industry? They're like, five years legally, 15 years, like, lifetime, right? Because it's not like the one day it became legal. Everyone was like, okay, let me look into this. It's been a while. So I think they have a lot more experience out there than we do out here. But from a business standpoint, you look at Massachusetts, and I think at the end of the year, I don't know, maybe about ten. Licensed dispensaries were online at the end of the year, maybe 15, not many, but they pulled in $420 million in one year. Divide that across 15 dispensaries. You take that and you do the same math in places like California and in Colorado and Oregon, where unfortunately, the THC market is just a little bit of a disaster right now. And I'm sorry to any of my friends in Oregon, but you know that it's true as well. No, no. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? It's oversaturated. If you look at the prices, they, they licensed and licensed and licensed and the way that they had their regulations, but they were one of the first ones. You, You really can't fault them for that. Right, we get to learn from all of their mistakes, but from a business standpoint, right now, you're not profitable up there, and then that creates diversion issues. So What's the
0: population of Oregon? Four. No, no. Uh, no. Oh wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's I apologize to my Oregon friends again. And we're not as in Oregon, but I, I guess the point is that, uh, that's an example of a, a state that I mean the no, population.
1: Portland's a big, big
0: state Our city city. Yeah, Yeah. obviously. And then you're close to Canada there. But I I don't know. I'm thinking about states that have big population centers, you know, and and like California, California, New York, they're
2: predicted to be the largest Illinois and Florida will also be additionally um, profitable in the THC market. I think a lot of your East Coast states will, I think the West Coast is a completely different situation. But um, the only way that honestly you're going to be able to combat the the black market or the illicit market is they got to reduce taxes. You cannot be taxing this product at a forty percent markup. You can't. It it takes away the accessibility. You can't make it accessible but not at a forty percent markup. When I can buy something a lot better across the street at half the price.
0: Yeah, and the medical marijuana companies here in New York, they're all struggling. and Part of it is because they can't make consistent products, so the, the word is out on the street that it's not so good, and that's why the numbers, remember, when Flowered Wellness was on with us, Bob, and we were surprised at how few people have medical marijuana cards. That's that whole cycle. It's Nobody wants to get the cards because purchasing those products aren't good anyways, and they're more expensive. So I can go to my buddy who's making butter and get cookies instead of going to that dispensary um, and bypass the whole thing. Right. Where good and putting good recreational out there will now put that money into the stream and have more people producing products and studying and researching how to make
2: them correctly. That is correct. And you have to make the supply chain accessible to people, not just large companies If you look at the people that and people can do their own research as far as who the medical companies are in the state of New York and what is available on our marketplace, these aren't people that are uh, necessarily skilled in this industry. There's a lot of other companies out there or people or people with ideas or opportunities, but they don't have the checkbook. To be able to bring that to fruition, and that's not okay either. So we need to make it accessible, just not to patients, but we need to make the opportunities accessible to our residents.
0: Oh man, so much information.
1: <laughs> Sorry, is it too much it information? Like though, uh, the <laughs> the government uh, for New York is basically the ultimate goal is to tax this. I mean, it, oh
2: well, absolutely, and they should. I think that it this this checks off a lot of boxes, right? It gives a different alternative to patients for pain management. It gives opportunities, creates a ton of jobs a lot of science, a lot of research, a lot of innovation, and it doesn't bring in tax dollars. And I support bringing in tax money. I don't support bringing it in at a 40% markup.
1: So do you have a voice in that? Do you have uh, uh, the ability to give that opinion that 40% is
2: way too much? Absolutely. Everyone has the ability to do that. And this information is is definitely out there. Um, And as far as what other states go through. But anyone that's listening to New York State or anyone that's listening at all, go home and do the numbers. They're pretty simple. It doesn't make sense to mark this up at a 40% rate. I get that we have administrative overhead. I get that it costs more, but it doesn't cost that much more. You can't use this to plug your full deficit in your bill to try and pass legalization. You have to be honest about it. Because what we saw in California is they over-predicted what tax... They were going to bring in and at this obscene tax rate and we saw a lot of diversion. So two things happened. It was too much. So people diverted and we know what happened early on when the supply chain came on and then the tax was short in their budget or the state was short in their budget again. So then they weren't able to facilitate the program properly. There became a bottleneck in licensing. So then they shorted themselves on taxes even more. And it just became this vicious cycle for the state. Are they out of it yet? No, no. They just upped it again. The first of the year, they upped their tax rate in the state of California again. On top
0: of two eighty e, which is the federal taxes, and they're getting killed on federal taxes because you can't even you can't write off any of your R and D inspect uh, R and D anything for T, anything that handles THC. Now CBD, right, I believe you can, but. If you are handling any THC above the, the limit of 0.3, 280 comes into play and you can't write off anything. Not a notebook, not a pen, not business expense like any other business could.
2: Correct. So you have to maintain separate ent- entities. You have to maintain separate books. You have to probably engage in a specialized CPA. Because these are very unique tax laws because they're being written on a daily basis. But to, to your point, can you be part of that? Absolutely. And people need to be part of this because we are developing an industry. And the people in you know, Albany or whatever the state capital is or D.C. also need our help. Okay, I've been to some of these meetings. I've been to Albany quite a few times. And in one meeting with a legislator, we were talking about home grow. And how many can they have? And at that point, the, and don't freak out anyone, this was before, at that point, it was like four plants. I was like, okay, four plants flowering, four plants vegetative, like two and two. They're like, what does that mean? (laughs) OK,
0: Now was was Axel Barbie in the room during all these discussions no. Was he in, this no. is before him. Even, this right? is before him. OK, cool. So this is awesome because keep going because I've heard Axel's uh, uh, this last year, I heard Axel talk about this and describe it in a way. So I want to hear. More. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So please.
2: No, it's just I mean, I'm just making a point of, you know, we have to be involved to help educate them. They don't you know, I have to believe that they don't want to write poor legislation. Um, I have to believe that. And I have to believe that they do believe in bringing this to fruition. And I'm okay if you want to help the, the deficit in the budget with it. That's cool. I'm, I'm down with that. You know, we've always talked about uh My husband and I were talking about it on the way over here because, you know, I left the house this morning. I'm like, hey, kids, I'm, I'll see you later. I'm going to do a podcast, you know, about cannabis. They're totally cool with it. Um, How old are your kids? <laughs> they're 10, and one's going to be 15. Yeah, they're totally cool with it. Um, We've been open and honest about them. You know, they've watched me start a company, build a business, and go through all of this. And I hope that, you know, in the long run, they learn from it. But what we were talking about on the way over here was, you know, 20 years ago, did you ever think this would be this accessible? Did you think we'd be going to do a podcast and talk about this and, and that it would be at this point? And his answer to me was no. So I am. we have to remember, I think, that too, that we're part of something pretty magical. It's the end of Prohibition, and we're glad it's here. We always said, I remember as a kid, as a rebellious kid at 19. Tax it, regulate it. Not that I even knew what the hell that meant, but that's what I thought I was supposed to be saying. And now they are. Okay.
0: All right, we're going to take a break, folks. We'll be back. Part two will be soon.